Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Win Lose Watch List podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Ian. And welcome. This is the show where we have a list of the top 250 movies, bottom 250 movies, and anything in between, and we choose one at random, leaving our own sanity to fate. Ian, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing all right. I'm I'm, I'm anxious and ready to talk about this movie. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i sure we'll get into it, but it's it's going to be a very interesting show talking about this. The Pianist, rather. No, I don't think we've actually said yeah. what it is yet. Um, 2002's The Pianist, which I had said was The Artist last episode, but or confused it with The Artist last episode, but it is not. It is The Pianist from 2002. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hadn't heard anything about the movie before. Like, I didn't even know that that was another thing is I'm going into a lot of these movies. Like, I'm like, I don't even want to read the description really. And I guess I just didn't expect what the actual movie was about. <laughs> you thought it was like I a literally Beethoven movie or thought something? It was, yeah, I literally thought it was going to be about like the story of this concert pianist. It was going to be boring. <laughs> and uh, it was not. It was intense. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. Before we hop into it, uh, have you been watching anything crazy? I know this is probably going to come out a little bit later, but we we are cor- currently currently in self quarantine where yeah we just have nothing but time on our hands to just consume media. So, what media have you been consuming? Um, I'm mostly like Westworld came back. I really like Westworld. Uh, that just came back, and I like just I watched. Uh, there's like a little. An, a show that's like a bunch of little animated things uh, on Hulu called Cake. Oh. It's like a bunch of little short films. Some of them, are, some of them are animated, and some of them aren't. Kind of like uh, the, I want to, I wanted to call it Win Lose Robots, the Love Death and Robots or whatever it was called that was on Netflix. Yeah, sort of. It's a bunch of like unique, like other creators. It's a collaborative piece, hmm. uh, but it's pretty cool. It's Just all right. Going through I a bunch watched of shows. the first episode. Yeah, I've been going through a lot. I watched um, The Hunt. The uh, oh, how rather controversial movie that's based on a most dangerous game in today's political world. It was yeah. fun, but it was written by Facebook and Twitter, essentially. <laughs> that's yeah, that sort makes of sense. my short. It's like if you gave people on each extreme political side a, a blank script and said, hey, write the other political side as your characters. That's the movie. <laughs> but the actual movie is pretty fun as it goes. But once it gets into the sort of satirical part of it that's where it yeah because really it, it tries to kind of like it, like roast on both sides doesn't it kind yeah of, yeah it, exactly and it takes just such a center of the road stance that it, it just really comes off as goofy yeah uh, which is interesting i also watched um god what else did i watch oh i watched portrait of a lady on fire it's on i think it's on our on our list but i got to see it in theaters before we quarantined and that was an incredible film. I don't know what that is. Um, it's a French movie that came out this past year. A little minimalist art house film. Incredible. One of my top three of 2020. Uh, or 2019, rather. But watch that. I started rewatching Seinfeld as well. Um, watched a couple oh, episodes yeah. of Degrassi. <laughs> Degrassi, dude. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, my, my, like aunt watched that in high school when she was in high school when i was a little kid and i was like what is this garbage <laughs> show that you're watching listen if if we get any more sort of controversial movies to talk about we should just become a degrassi podcast because if we do a degrassi rewatch there's some controversial issue to talk about every single episode of that show <laughs> <laughs> does it not age well um 
I think it ages fine. I don't think it aged well just at its current time. Like, <laughs> it, it deals with all of these complex subjects, and oh yeah, it 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 solves them by the end of the episode. But it's typically like these subjects that would have lasting impacts on its characters. <laughs> be careful! Be careful with the word "solves." There, it solved the problems for all of America. Well, no, yeah, it it. But in the actual context of the show, it it solves it by the end. Like it wraps it up in a nice little bow and. <laughs> When that's not necessarily how it goes with actual... Hey, racial injustice? Solved. Solved. <laughs> Look, they got Drake as a basketball player. We solved it. <laughs> so, I think it's about time that we hop into the pianist discussion. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different from our other two that we have put out, where we're going to do a really deep dive into the director, Roman Polanski. If you know about him, you sort of know what's coming. If not... That's fine too. Um, and yeah, then we will talk about, we will do a discussion about the movie divorced from that subject matter. Right. And if you have any sort of troubles listening to topics regarding rape, uh, statutory rape, uh, elite, like drugging of a subject and then child rape, uh, I think you should definitely skip forward and you can listen to our movie discussion that's divorced from the subject matter, but I think it's going to be very difficult to talk about the movie while ignoring this part altogether. Yeah, I think it's very, it's it's going to be hard. We have to talk about it, but without getting too binary with it, because I feel like that's a way, like it's easy to go one way or the other and be like, I have to drop and not want, not support him in any way, which is completely valid. And I completely understand that like viewpoint of just like, I can't pay money that's going to this guy. Like right. if I'm, like watching the show watching the movie but uh there's also like i find i found especially with this movie in particular it really seemed like it wasn't even his it's not his story like he's not the screenwriter there's so many other people like i feel like it would be doing an injustice to like adrian brody who did an amazing job is that his name yes that's right i think so yeah him and like also it's a book like it's an actual real story of something very important that happened right so like I went into this after I heard about what the director did thinking like it's probably going to massively impact how I view this movie. It's going to be hard to watch it knowing about no. how horrible this guy is. Um, so I, I, but, I think with that, or sorry, go on. I'm, no, you go ahead. So I think with that said, if that really, if you really don't want to listen to that stuff and that's too intense for you, I think we both totally understand. You can check the show notes. It'll tell you where we start our discussion of the film itself. And we're going to keep it pretty divorced from the Roman Polanski stuff. And we will talk about the movie during our Polanski section. But it's not going to drive the other discussion as well. Right. So. Okay. With that said, let's attempt to tackle a complex social issue. (laughs) So. I think the best way to approach this is just going to be by listing the facts first. Because I think the Roman Polanski case is pretty well known. Like, even if people have never seen one of his movies, you say Roman Polanski and you're like, oh, that guy was the child rapist. Yeah. Like, that's sort of just well known. But I think it will be best to state the facts first about Roman Polanski's life in general. Roman Polanski, to just go into his life, he was born in the 1930s in Poland. That was before World War II started. And he was a Jewish person of a Jewish family. And the fall of Poland and the rise of Nazism in Poland 
his family got transported to um, Holocaust camps that I can't remember the name of currently. What, um, concentration That's camps, okay. I'm sorry. And yeah. <clears throat> Roman Polanski moved around. He was in foster care. And his father, I believe, survived the Holocaust. Which, I mean, I, I cannot imagine that level of pain going through that even after watching this movie that we just watched, but I cannot imagine it. The yeah. fact, an- another, and then it goes on. Roman Polanski becomes a filmmaker, starts making all of these really incredible films throughout the golden age of Hollywood, right? And he's married to Sharon Tate, and Sharon Tate gets killed by the Manson family in the 1960s, I believe, and then yada yada, a few more years. And in 1977, Roman Polanski got accused of six cases of different actions involving rape and got um, sentenced for one, which was, um, I'm going to check it. I don't have it up right now. It's okay. Do you know, were all the cases of rape statutory? I don't know what all of the cases were. Okay. I just didn't Um, know if... But the one, exclusively. and I do believe some of them were statutory. I believe some of them, one of them was involved with drugging. But the one that he was found guilty of was unlawful sex with a minor, which was the least harsh one of all of them. And this is where it yeah. starts to get really ugly. Well, it had already gotten ugly because we're at this point already. And he went through psych- psychiatric therapy and Roman Plansky had found out that his sentence was going to be a lot worse than what it initially was. And after that, he had escaped to France. Well, he had escaped to England for a day and then found out that he was going to get deported and uh, arrested and then left for France where they have no laws allowing people to arrest their citizens there. And since then, he's been living his life in France, making movies as a convicted uh, arrestee in the United States of America. Yeah. So he... He got away pretty well with all this. <laughs> right. And that's that's just the cold fact of the situation, right? Yeah. I, it's very hard to figure out where to go from here. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's... There's a lot of, like... You did a post on... Uh, yes, I did. Facebook. I did it in the Criterion Dude. Collection Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group, but I made a post there. Yeah, where you basically ask people for their opinions and if they still watch his movies and support him. Well, I asked, and, and the, or, it, yeah, that sort of can... wasn't what I was getting at. A lot of people took that I was getting at that. My question more or less was, knowing his actions, right, how does that affect how you watch his movies? Because yeah, I also okay, didn't that's... know quite much about his life outside of a Wikipedia page in there. Like, and I didn't know much about the arrest. I didn't know much about the actual crime itself. And I just put, how does this thing affect a your viewing of his movies? And it got 450 comments. Yeah. Uh, it, it exploded. <laughs> it, was it was a bit vast. of a hot topic. It had everything from, I can't watch his movies. I can't support this guy. I will not, I cannot stomach giving him any money to, you need to separate the art from the artist. And there's no way that you should be able, like that should affect you because you're just mudslinging. Yeah. And everything in yeah. between there. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of like, yeah, I think it's important to like, I, I completely see the validity in any 
response to this. Like, yeah. I completely can understand people that cannot support him in any way. Uh, I get that. I definitely don't want to be giving this guy any, like, money. Because he... Especially with him just having gotten away with all of this. But I also, like, can understand some people. I think the separate from the art from the artist argument, uh, a lot of people tend to, like, think that that's just a rule that applies to any of these situations. But it is... It's more complex. Yeah, it's way more complex than that. There's so much more mystery and stuff. Because to some people, these movies, like, even especially The Pianist, represent... A, a story that needs to be told and like it, they're very important films on their own. Well, here's the other uh, thing too, right? With this, especially regarding the pianist is it is a story that needs to be told. And it's told by a guy who experienced that as a child. Yeah. It's directed by a guy who experienced that as a child. So yes, you can separate the art from the artist, but then you can't turn around and say, Oh, well he was able to make this because Roman Polanski was also a child of the World War II era. Right. So and I think a lot of people, and even I said this last episode when we drew it, saying like, oh, I'm I'm typically in the camp of kill the author, you can separate the art from the artist. And I think my view is a little bit more complex on that because I wouldn't be talking about this right now if I was just so firmly in that camp of you can separate the art from the artist. I think there's a level of understanding that you need to have if you know that somebody had committed a terrible crime and you can watch it and say, I like this. And I realize that the person that made this was a rapist, a pedophile, whatever have you, because there's a lot of artists out there who have done some really terrible things and you can recognize that. And then you need to say, okay, I can watch this now. I've realized this is the thing, but I can enjoy this on my own personal level. Yeah. I think it's you can just see where like for some people this movie uh, represents a like story that needs to be told like people that say have like family members that were uh, alive during that time and like th- there's so many like some people say this is a very powerful and necessary film for uh, them and it can be but also on the other side there are people that see Roman Polanski and they see their abuser and right. people they that see got away. And they yeah, see the they peop- see a system of people that keep abusers in power. Yeah, and then you, when you see both of those sides, you have to be like, all right, where's the truth? It's probably somewhere in the middle. Like you have to sit in the middle and examine both sides. It's not either or. Once well, and you, also, I guess maybe yeah, it's finding out where the truth, but it's also finding out where your truth is with it. Yeah, I mean, if you're uncomfortable watching, that's it's is very subjective in that sense too, where. It's you can if you can't separate the art from the artist, you just can't. You can't change yeah. that really. Then, it's and, and difficult don't, because for there's you to so do many that. other movies and music and media out there that you can intake that are just as good. And you don't yeah, and hopefully don't have fun. such horrible people that made it. <laughs> right, I, I do think what is a little bit maybe not scummy, but uh, he did win best director for the Oscar for this movie. Yeah. And I watched the clip of them announcing it, and you ha- you know how with the Oscars you have all of the nominees there, like clapping and whatnot. Yeah. And you have just Roman Polanski's picture there, and he's announced his best director, and then it's like the Academy recognizes the Roman Polanski cannot be here tonight, and I am taking this award in his honor. And it's like, 
it's the industry that propagated it too. Yeah, and definitely. To more or less talk about how I hate the movie industry. Um, I've always said I love movies, hate the movie industry, and no one understands what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, definitely. I don't want to talk too much about the victim because this is her story and not ours. But I read an article and we can potentially post it in the show notes if you want to read it based on her accounts yeah. as of maybe 10 years ago. I don't have it on me entirely, but to paraphrase it, she had talked about like looking back on it while the while what actually ha- she can recognize what happened to her in the moment has had a terrible effect on her. She said the lasting impression has been on how the legal teams supposedly supporting her wanted to turn this into a bigger case for publicity. Yeah. And that's the that's the grimy, disgusting part to me, even. Like, yeah. While the Polanski stuff is grimy to me, I think that you are you have this victim and you're using her even more to try to move up your own career because you think you can get the famous person that did the terrible criminal act. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's There's a lot of ulterior motives and scummy things that happen around the case and around the all of these type of cases probably like right. there's always especially in the in that industry uh but yeah i mean i guess if you want to just look at it baseline what he did regardless of how she interpreted the, the, the aftermath what he did still morally is very justifiable right and i i think when and especially now because there's so this happened in 77 and we're pretty far removed from it now. I think something that th- came into my mind when I was thinking about this was um, Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Because it tackles a lot of these subjects very well. Like, you can recognize that Bojack Horseman is a terrible person in the show. And I'm probably going to spoil the finale, so if you haven't watched it, skip ahead like two minutes. Uh, and you recognize that he's a terrible person. And throughout the show, all these little things that he's done catch up to him but you've seen him as a person throughout the show. So you can, you have this complex view of this difficult character that's been pushed through this terrible industry. Right. I think that's true for any, it's just, you have to be able to extinct, like, I don't know, but you also can't expect people to extend that compassion. Right. Uh, And I, I I wouldn't expect people to, I, it's how I rationalize these types of things. Yeah, I know. Uh, me too. Like, I mean, at the at the end of the day, I can realize that everyone is like a, a, a huge part of what they do is a product of their circumstance and uh, like, you know, their brain chemistry and what they were, you know, born to do. But you also there's still got to be room for justice there. And it still sucks that this guy has somewhat avoided that. Right. Justice. And that's that's the that's the worst part. And then it's now it's happened so long ago that. Is there not a level of forgiveness at this point? Like, the the victim has gone on record saying that she forgives him. And I think you should still recognize that what he committed was child rape, right? Yeah. But I think when I'm approached with these situations, it's just like, can we not have a collective level of forgiveness? Because this is also an industry that pushes people forward to these um, intense amounts of fame that the human mind is not ready for. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, I do get like people that, yeah, I don't know. I just have compassion for both sides. People that can't 
like summon that level of forgiveness and can't uh, stand to watch these movies and yeah. people that can. It goes both ways. It's really up to it's up to how, how you, you feel. feel about it. Yeah, look, yeah. read into the situation. Uh, you know, figure out how you feel about it, and if you're willing to separate it. Because there, I mean, like again, there's so a lot of these movies. There are tons of people besides him that also worked really hard on these pieces of art. Like the director is important, but it's also, it is a collaborative effort and it's like all of the hard work that some of these other people put in worth ignoring and such a powerful like story that it was, I mean, the pianist specifically was a book beforehand. Like it's an autobiography. It's like a true story that I feel like needs to like that guy's story deserves to be told regardless of what Roman Polanski did. Right. And I, I, and this is sort of where I might tap out. Well, I think where it's going to be yeah. best to tap out this conversation is that a lot of times yeah. when you look through the reviews of Roman Polanski's movies in the current year, you'll see things like Polanski can eat dirt. Uh, go eat rocks, Polanski. F you, Roman Polanski. And then they'll be like, but the movie's really good. Yeah. And you I mean, one this... of the reviews I saw. Oh, go on. Sorry. But one of the reviews I saw was a. Uh... One of the best films ever made. I hope Roman Polanski dies. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And you have this like virtue sign- signaling that people feel they have to express that they hate Roman Polanski to be able to say that the movie's good. And even I've done that before, I'm pretty sure. I think you can probably trudge through one of my letterbox reviews and be like, Roman Polanski sucks, but I like this movie. And yeah. that's sort of the rationalization that you see rather than just saying it's okay I like this movie and recognize that the guy's a pedophile. Yeah, I think it's okay to just like it's good to li- like just recognizing it shows that at least somewhat you're being mindful of the situation and of the person you, that. I, I guess the point through. I'm making is that you don't have to always preface it with "I hate this guy." Like yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And definitely. I think with that being said. Do you have anything else that you want to say about the Roman Polanski situation? Um, no, just that. I mean, I, I have compassion for both sides, and I, 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 I. When you say both both sides of what, I just don't. I, I guess it can be uh, easy to misconstrue your words saying both sides. Good, good of point. The good point. Absolutely, good point. Of people that can completely separate the art from the artist, and people that can. Right. And not, not, I'm not on Roman Polanski, Polanski yeah. side. I don't understand why he did it. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> he's, a mo- he's a monster. But it's, it's very, it's very. He of what he did was terrible. Yeah. And it, people it who object to watching them film, I understand that side of it. Right, and the guy made damn good movies. <laughs> That's he did. I mean, he this still, is he still was, so well. slash was. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is probably one of my top ten movies of all time. Which, again, this is also the first Roman Polanski film I've seen. I've not seen Rosemary's Baby. I think this is my second. I've only seen Roman Polanski, but I've seen like clips of other movies that he's made, and they just they I've I've wanted to watch them, you know. I want to watch Chinatown, but anyway, away from that. I think there's nothing more that we can really talk about this. Uh, If you are one of those people that is just solely separate the art from the artist. I hope that you can look at this in this thoughtful discussion. And if you're one of those people that thinks I can never watch anything by Roman Polanski, how are you guys watching this? I hope that you can listen to this and realize that it's all right to intake art that 
are made by people that you have committed crimes you that are terrible. Right. Whew. Okay. Yeah, I think we put spent enough time on that. We have spent <laughs> we have spent more time on that than needed. No. We spent a good amount of time on that. It's yeah, it's good. Worthy. It's it's something worth talking about. Absolutely. So I think with that being said, let's hop into the discussion of the movie because this is a damn good movie. <laughs> it is a very good movie. <laughs> it's it's extremely good. It was two and a half hours. It's incredibly long. Not incredibly long, but yeah, uh, it was with the with the actual inception of this podcast. I've always been like, huh. Well, if the bad ones come up, it's not too terrible because it's only going to be under like ninety minutes of my life that I'm wasting on this. And then, like, if one of the top 250 comes up or a watch list, it's like two and a half hours or three hours because those are always the well-regarded ones. It's like, well, hopefully I like this and it's a good time sink. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the pianist was extremely good. Uh, it approached the Holocaust in a way that I don't think a lot of war movies do. Yeah. It. I also wanted to, like, note that... We mentioned that when we were recording this, uh, there's a lot of like quarantine going around because of um, COVID-19. Yeah, COVID-19. And to be clear, not in any way comparing the fear that people are having right now with COVID-19 to the fear that, you know, Jews during the Holocaust felt. Absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> but that being said, it would be, especially the beginning, like like act of this film, it was it, it it very well demonstrated collective fear, like of the family, like them, like not just like getting the news of things coming in mm-hmm. and having to react to that, and some people like being like, "No, I'm not leaving," even though they're telling us to leave. Like it, it taps into how humans react to collective fear, and it was just. I watch, watching this at an interesting time where in a very smaller scale, we, I am seeing a lot of that right now in the present. World. Yeah. It's got that sort of frog in the boiling pot of water feeling to it where, and, and that it properly describes what the Holocaust was in the beginning portions of it, that it's like, Oh, Hey, here's the small thing. Okay. We can live with it. That's going to be okay. Oh, here's another small change to our life. We can live with it. And then it slowly starts building up until. Yeah you've lost all of your collective power. And I think that that this film, it approaches the Holocaust in such a cold way rather than approaching it with like a sort of hopeful tone, but still terrible. Yeah, no, it's, it's, right. it's, it's dark. so cold it, uh, about the movie. It, it's heavy and dark. And like, I didn't expect it either. Like I said, I went into this movie <laughs> thinking it was just like, um, about a piano player <laughs> like just like some kind of weird drama and uh i didn't i didn't expect yeah we had, it seems like down. all together you and i had very different viewing experiences of this you had it seems like you had viewed it during when the height of the COVID 19 reaction was happening in america yeah and, and you watched it a little bit before i had I watched late. it beforehand and you would know nothing about the movie and i knew enough to be dangerous because i put it on this list yeah but it's a it's a very well made movie. Adrian Brody gives an incredible performance throughout the entire film. Rightfully won the Oscar for his performance. Um, it's one of those performances where people will look at it and it's like, oh, he learned to play the piano for this, so it's a good performance. Which 
it is but the level of just despair that you see on him throughout the beginning to the end of the movie yeah and just like i don't there's something about like some of like the uh, it's also he does he handles very well not reacting super intensely to things like he he often like through some horrible stuff just has like a very like empty face like he just doesn't he looks like he's not reacting very like he and it makes it even unfazed because he's so he's so broken down already by like the last act of the film yeah and it's it was just so touching throughout to sort of have a window and this is one of the reasons that i really love cinema that it allows you to experience something that you may have no other way to experience and that's exactly yeah, honestly, I had this movie open. Like, I honestly had never seen a depiction of like actually, especially like, I mean, you you see it like there are like like concentration camp movies, mm-hmm. but I had not seen a depiction of like that like all the like in stuff the that happened. Yeah, in the ghettos and yeah, uh, and it's entirely the way that time passes in that movie in this movie as well. The way that it uses the passing of time. Yeah, where it's jumping quick and it doesn't tell you. Right, and it feels like it's lasted forever, and you can feel the time from every month jump, month's jumps, however much it is. You really feel it, and it helps. It's sad to say, but it immerses you into what's going on. It did a really, it did a really good job translating an autobiography, which is like the story of someone's entire life, into the span of a movie and still made it feel like you were with this guy through his whole life or through this whole experience. At least it was like seven years or something. Mm -hmm. It's extremely, it's extremely heartbreaking. And it's, I think it's probably going to be best to talk about spoilers now because there's not much to spoil about this movie. Uh, It's an autobiography. So, you know, the homeboy's got to make it to the end. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And that's true. It's about the Holocaust. It's about a Jewish person during the Holocaust times. Like it's you sort of know where the movie's going to go, but a lot of the movie is experienced rather than just plot points that are told. So I guess this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it, I I think it's a definite recommend for me to go watch. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely worth worth if you can. <laughs> it's not, I, I I wouldn't say it's going to be the best movie you've ever seen, but it's one of those especially if you can watch it without supporting uh, yeah which you can watch it on netflix uh yeah anyway so i guess spoilers a lot of the uh things that really got me was when you saw just the german soldiers executing jewish people on the their brutality like it is it's visceral it's like just pure like you it's just it's it's hard to imagine i mean it's get getting increasingly less hard to remember that human beings are capable of some awful awful things right like i think at this point too world war ii is often fantasized as well yeah that you see you see the nazi zombie games killing nazis even like inglorious bastards from quentin tarantino is a bit of a glorification of world war ii yeah and because they're often the villain you usually see them like getting like losing and they don't feel as powerful but in this film because they have so much control you just see what they were capable of and how like power hungry yeah these people like there's one scene where they go up you see the family 
gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. But you see his family watching from the apartment across the street. And the German soldiers yeah. are going up through Dude. getting the family. And they tell an obviously handicapped person to stand up. And he can't stand up because he's handicapped. And they throw him out on his wheelchair of a four-story building onto the street. Yeah, and it's brutal. And you watch it all He's just like, throw him out. Like, <laughs> and yeah. they just pick up his chair and they, he throws the guy out the window and he falls through the table. And you're forced to watch it. Like, you have There's to watch like it There's like that. There's like... When they're, they're marching in a line at one point, and uh, they're like, I guess, not because they're different heights, mm-hmm. uh, they're not like keeping up and stuff. So he they he makes all of the shortest people step forward, and then they all lay down, and he walks down from the shortest one and shoots them all in the head. <laughs> all in a singular take, so you don't get to chew, turn your eyes to it. You have to watch this happen, yeah. and it's it's the film grabs you by the head and says look at this like and it's heartbreaking throughout the entire thing i'm talking about it in a sort of fantastic way but the entire movie is heartbreaking because of how cold and distant it is towards this subject yeah it's 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 intense and but it's i do like how i mean it's weird to critique the film on what actually happens because it's a true story and it's yeah. like an autobiography. But, um, like there's also the level of, there are people, um, that are compassionate and helping the, like the Jewish people stay hidden and helps the main character along the way. Yeah. And it, that kind of helps it not feel so heavy, but it still is like, it's, it, it's it, heartbreaking. It has that feeling that it's like every moment is his last hope. Yeah. And you, but even though it's his, like he's doing well, you still watch everyone else suffering. And that's yeah. the and and I think, like you said, it's hard to critique an autobiographical film. Uh, I think it's I don't want to say it's easy, but you can definitely critique it because of the way that it portrays not only his life is the way that he'd experienced it, but also taking on this grander way of, I guess, exposing the way that Nazi soldiers handled Jewish people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not to like undermine how much went into like making it so visual and like really putting you into the world. And like it made like, just a lot of fear. Yeah, I think another uh, that thing you can that's constantly not, feel. Oh, sorry. I think another thing that's not to be sort of written off is all of the extras in this movie are incredible. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they are. Like you feel yeah, like they're... you're in Poland, Switzerland. I'm gonna say Switzerland. You feel like you're in Switzerland throughout the movie. Like you see these people just suffering, and they're not. It's war... They're just extras. Where is? I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say Switzerland and someone on the I think Polish because Warsaw. It's Warsaw, right? Oh, That's the Polish. Town. Sounds right. Um, just it's Polish. Imagine every time I said Switzerland <laughs> that I'm saying Poland instead. <laughs> it's, yeah, but anyway, yeah, it it a lot of like the extras, especially when it, once when he's actually in the ghetto. Yeah, uh, uh, there's like. It's it's brutal. <laughs> There's people dying on the street. The There's people dying everywhere. Everything. Just... Honestly, this movie's depressing. <laughs> like, yeah. 
the, I think one of the first like brutal things that happens that I didn't expect is like uh, when he's walking down the street and a kid is squeezing himself like under the the uh, wall that they've built. And that's a brutal scene. Yeah. And <laughs> it was unexpected to me. Like that's one of the first like heavy hitters. And... Yeah, I was expecting it to be brutal because you hear, you know, a Jewish person set in World War Two Poland. Uh and you're just like, Well, this is gonna be a heart wrenching movie. But I think what shocked me is just how cold and distant it was, which is what added to the gut punch of the movie. Yeah, I think it just it was very necessary in actually showing the situation in which I feel like our at least or maybe just my brain has forgotten a lot about from like high school and middle school and like yeah. actually learning about these things. But also textbooks can't they convey, can't show this. They can't convey what this movie can and like how real it was and how this actually happened and we I feel like this movie made me feel like as much as we do still like to talk about it we don't cover how what like, we'll we don't never talk about be able to conceive through words like we'll never yeah. be able to conceive through words how terrible this was yeah and it's some, it, like again i'm gonna be the crazy man on my soapbox saying this is why cinema is such a great art form that it allows a layer of empathy for you to experience things that you may never be able to experience yeah and definitely you, you got to take the good with the bad with it i think yeah. another movie i think if you were to look at a coin, right, in both sides of the coin, I think on one side of that coin is the pianist, and if you flip it over, the other side is Jojo Rabbit. I think. Yeah. If you would watch, it, I think it, these are they're two very similar movies that approach the subject matter in two extremely different ways. Yeah, that's true. They're very, very different ways of approaching it, but like, yeah, it, it, it's from the opposite side, like a. Child, like a child's perspective so everything doesn't feel as heavy right. in Jojo Rabbit but and then this is the very like this is what it was like for an adult Jewish man absolutely in Warsaw. and I to skip ahead a lot because we're I don't think it's very hard to talk about this film narratively right like yeah it's just more or less what your experience with the movie is but a point of contention I've seen with the movie is the end specifically um People do not like the idea of this Jewish person can only be saved by like a a Nazi soldier being his savior. You know, like, oh, yeah, but it's what happened. Bad guy. But <laughs> yeah, it's what happened. Like, you can't get mad. Yeah. And I guess if you include that in the movie, then like there's probably ways to not include it. But then you're not representing this man's life correctly. Yeah, I mean, I did think about that. I thought, like, it was a hard turn in that didn't expect it to show that there were some uh, Nazis that, would, like, were did not support the cause as much well, as they, like... yeah, and maybe we can agree to disagree here, but it, he stopped supporting it because they saw that it was ending for them. You know? Yeah, I guess you that's see, true. You, you, when, but I did look... But... He's talking about the troops coming in. And it's like, we've only got a couple more days here until the troops are here. And it's like, you see the writing on the wall and maybe you have this soldier that's conflicted. And it's like, maybe that you start self-reflecting and going, we did the wrong thing. And then you have that. That's true. I guess I don't know, but I did not to go too far outside of the material of the film, 
but I did like l- look at the Wikipedia page of the actual guy that that soldier that Nazi soldier, and I'm, it said he helped quite a few people. And it's not like okay, quite a few uh, Jewish people stay hidden. But I don't know if that was like just towards the end of the thing. But yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. But I will say yeah, your I'll, research outweighs my opinion. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know for sure. But I, I think that he helped quite a few people, yeah. uh, like stay hidden. And, but and also, if you take that part still, out, of like movie, why? you lose one of my favorite parts, which is where he plays that Bach piece for the Nazi yeah. soldier to prove he's a piano player. And in that moment, it's just so representative of the film itself, just in the way the music goes, that it's like just so representative of the Adrian Brody character's journey throughout the film. Yeah. And it's a heartbreaking piece, and it's a real piece. And he finally gets to play the piano, yeah. And they like, which, <laughs> which is a surface-level way to look at it, but yeah. it, it was it was happy. There was... I, I, I will digress for a moment that there was a point that I was watching the movie where he like wasn't able to play the piano and he was air playing the piano. Yeah, he was air playing. And I was it. like, did they really keep this in where he's supposed to be playing the piano and he just has his fingers hovering above the keyboard? <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> my dumb young millennial brain kicked in and said, oh, he's not supposed to be playing the piano, so he's not <laughs> and he's imagining it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that piece was amazing. It was very long too, which was good. And it like, it was a very, yeah, it was very good. I don't know. Do you know if that actually happened? If he actually played the piano for a guy. Um, sure. I feel like maybe not. <laughs> I think yes makes me happier in my head, so I'm gonna All say right, yes. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's very difficult to find that out now. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why there's a piano just like perfectly. It was that part was very surreal when he first discovers him, and he's yeah. just like, "All right, follow me in here." And then there's a piano, and he plays. I'm like, "Is, is he's he just trying to open up this What's giant happening? can of like beans or something?" With yeah, a freaking knife. Yeah, or a screwdriver, just pounding it. Yeah, it was a, it was wild. Yeah, that toward that part of the movie, like it felt. You got a sense of like, oh, we've been, we've had apocalyptic scenarios on Earth, like yeah. in modern or like relatively modern day. Yeah, I, I do think maybe this movie doesn't need to be as long as it is. Yeah, but on the same hand, I feel that without its length, you don't really feel how long this actually lasted for the character. So that's a on my own critical opinion end of this. Yeah. Movie. I mean, I'm maybe, yeah, they probably could have taken out like, I don't know. I guess there I, was, I don't know what could have been edited out. All that I know is I felt like points of it were too long just because it is so depressing to watch. Yeah. It was, it was a heavy watch and I'm hoping that our next movie is something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Did, did you have any last sort of problems with the movie at all? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, other than the length, although I don't know how to fix it, and the actions of the director, I don't know, I really liked the movie. I thought it was great. I, like, yeah. uh, it opened up my mind to a lot, to, like, a lot, and uh, did a really good job of making me feel like I was a part of that situation, as uncomfortable as it was. Right, and, and you're a very empathetic person by nature as well, so I can imagine that you probably had a pretty emotional experience with this film yeah it was brutal (laughs) i was was hurting i was hurting (laughs) yeah so i think as as good of a movie as it was it's a very difficult film to talk about uh just on a narrative level alone because of how dark and 
desolate that it is. Yeah. So I think with that being said, I really hope that we get something much lighter for our next episode. <laughs> like a Lion <laughs> King. Um, yeah. Dark Lion Knight King, would know. be good. Paddington uh, 2. Pad- or that's good. Just write in Paddington 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. That'd be a great one. Just something light, please. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think for me, for the pianist, definitely go watch it. I don't think it'll be your favorite movie of all time, but it's definitely a must watch. Yeah. If you're comfortable watching it, uh, it's definitely worth watching and opening up to how horrible that situation was. <laughs> Open up your mind, bro. You have to be ready to hurt, though. Yeah, be you got to hurt if you're hurt. watching. Which, if you're still listening at this point, why you should have watched it already. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Go home. Get out of here. Get out. Actually, here. no. Stay with us because we're about to go into the point. Oh yeah, we're a movie next movie that we'll watch for our next episode. Ian, are you excited for oh, this I'm new pumped. roll of the dice, our 212-sided die, that will determine? <sighs> God. How we exist for the next week or so. <laughs> I'm ready. Is there any sort of movie that I know I've said that at the end of our film discussion that I was saying that I hope that it's something light, but is there a type of movie that you're excited for from the list to want to watch? Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully just something lighter, you know, maybe a comedy. If there's any comedies in the best, um, in the top 200, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I would say probably not. I'd, I'd say you'd be more likely to find more comedies in the bottom 250, <laughs> the worst or the lose category. That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, Birdemic, maybe. Birdemic. Um, hopefully not the test. Uh, <laughs> the really, Last think, Airbender. The Last Airbender. That's a good comedy. I think what I'm sort of hoping for is... Um, I think something Japanese in the Japanese cinema area would be really nice. Like something like Seven Samurai would be great. Um, yeah. There's some other Haosu Haosu House would be great. Uh, I know it's not a, made by a Japanese filmmaker, but Mishima Life in Four Parts is one of my top movies. It's incredible. Just something nice and quaint and just peaceful yeah. would be absolutely wonderful. Yep. Me too. Uh, Ian, do you want to get this stuff rolling? Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna roll it. You're gonna roll. Our the fate lays in the generator's hands. Give the me a drum roll. Thirteen sided dice. Boom, 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 boom. It's a bass drum roll. And our number is number ninety-two. Ninety-two. Ian, what is number ninety-two? Oh my God! Ninety-two is a nineteen ninety-nine film by Brad Bird, The Iron Giant. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, Hog Hug. Yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> Thank you, Generator. Oh my gosh, I needed that. Yeah, man, dude, I love the. Oh Iron Giant. man, I heard nineteen ninety nine, and I knew that there was a lot of garbage from the lose <laughs> category that was made in nineteen ninety nine. <sighs> and then you said Brad Bird, and I was like, okay, well, I didn't put the Incredibles on there. What could it be? He did the Incredibles. I mean, yeah, I know that. he did the Incredibles. Uh, he did the the Disney hit Tomorrowland. Um, nice. Yeah, I haven't watched the Iron Giant since I was like. A little kid. I haven't watched it since sophomore year of high school. We watched it in science class for oh, some reason. Yeah. You know, 
for the science of robots. Yeah. <laughs> there's ever a giant robot. Yeah, this was like one of my favorite movies as a kid, and I have not watched it since then. Yeah. Uh, I think it's on like Disney Plus, if anyone... Are you lying to me right now? Is I need to actually the Iron Giant. This is incredible. <laughs> it is. It's the Iron Giant. <laughs> Are you joshing me right now? I'm not joshing you. Oh, my gosh. What a Hog win. hug. What a win. Okay. So... I literally looked at it, too, when you were like shuffling. Dude, if you had said the Iron Giant and then we actually rolled it people would be coming at us <laughs> um the if you have any suggestions for our next I, I would like to replace the pianist on the list i like this nice 212 number we've got uh if you're listening to this and you see something from the top 250 list on letterboxd that you think should be on the list and it's a crime that we don't have it there tweet at us give us something to watch we might consider it throw it on the list and it could come up within the next 32 years of the podcast yeah We'll watch. We'll watch all the movies one day until we die. Until we die. <laughs> all right. Tune in next episode for the Iron Giant. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I hope you guys are too. You can uh, look in the description, and I'll put places to to watch it because I actually think it's probably not on Disney Plus. Yeah. But uh, I'll oh, put wherever also, it is. Follow us on Twitter at Win Lose Watch. Uh, yes. Simple hat. Simple name. Go follow us. Comment at us. Interact with us. We love interacting with you guys. And leave us any review somewhere. Yeah, the the pinned uh, tweet is the list of the movies that we've that we're using. So absolutely, you can check that out as well. All right, thanks for listening. Thank Have you. a great rest of your day, week, wherever, whenever, however you do Stay it. Stay safe. Wash your hands if this is if that's still going on when this comes out. <laughs> Alrighty, peace out. Later. Peace. Oh, thank Christ.